listening to Jen and the Film Critic, a Screen Mayhem podcast. My name's Jen Blundell, and this is my Film Critic. Film Critic! Yay! <laughs> What's your name? My name is Paul Salt. So I am it is. the main Film Critic at Screen Mayhem. Oh, very good. What are we doing here, Film Critic? What are we doing here? Well, I really have noticed that I have more notes for reviews than I have written reviews in the mm-hmm. last couple of years. It's ever since the lockdown hit, it just threw me off my stride and I haven't been able to get back into the swing of things. Um, And it just seemed a shame that all of these notes just kind of stay on my phone in sort of rough form until eventually the film's too old for anyone to give a fuck about. (laughs) So I thought, whilst eating just a filthy, filthy burger with you. Yeah. Just the dirtiest, dirtiest, nastiest, dankest burger. Which is exactly where all the best things get started. I'm only inspired with meat in my mouth. (laughs) <laughs> it's how Mank met uh, Orson Welles in order to make mm-hmm. Citizen Kane. It was all over dank, dank burgers. Mm-hmm. Probably. It suddenly just occurred to me. Oh, I mean, it was the 20s yeah. or 30s. It was some it's point in time. Eaten. And yeah, it just occurred to me that we might do this and see if we mm-hmm. can get some of those fresh ideas. I'll continue to write reviews for Screen Mayhem when the spirit takes me. But yeah, this would be a good substitute for like having to try and write reviews for oh, every yeah. film I see, I think. Yeah. A nice chat with Jen. Yeah. And having to do, I mean, having to do things under your own steam, on your own, with your own motivation yeah. only, oh, is Jesus so hard. Christ. It's yeah, hard it's at the, the best, best of times. It's even harder it... during the times in which we live. So yeah. uh, having a friend be like, hey, come on, come on, <laughs> come on and talk to me and tell me your get, ideas. Get up bed. Yeah. 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 Come on. Come and tell up. me about the new Star Trek. I don't yeah. want to. <laughs> come on. Tell me about these films I probably won't bother watching. And I'm the perfect audience for this because I don't bother yes. watching most things. That's a lie. I see films when you drag me to them. Drag, that is not true. always drag. I'm enthusiastic, but uh, I'm not going to make plans yeah. unless you book the tickets for me and say, hey, oh. remember that film you said? Yeah, I'd watch that. And then you book it. And I'm like, oh, I'm going. Good. I do feel like you're going to be a good filter because I do, you know, me and Goodman have discussed this before that we do have, we have like a reputation amongst our friends where they'll say, is this film good? And we say, yeah, it's really good. And they'll say, yeah, but am I going to like it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Is it just like Paul good? Right. You know? So I feel like you're mm. going to be a good interpreter from this awful dwarfish kind of man to uh, the sort of general the general. You're public. taller than me. That's uh, true, but in terms of stature. In terms of stature, taller. In terms of true. personality, also taller. In terms of that's what they say about spirit. That's what they say about very short nerving people. Yeah, it's got a lot of personality stuffed up in there. Yeah. <laughs> just chock a block full of personality. Um, <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, no, I'm I I'm quite happy to tell you about things that I might watch. If you say the name of a film, I'll say whether I, I'd watch it. Okay, based purely on its title. Okay, uh, <laughs> well, I feel like I should make one up now to see if I can uh, take your interest. Metal Hangers. Nah. Nah, it's a bit pretentious. Nah, I wouldn't watch that. It sounds a bit war filmy. I'm just not into that. Nah. <laughs> That's fair. How about Spider-Man No Way Home? Maybe. I do like a superhero film. Do you like a superhero film? Who doesn't? Certainly the public like them. Yeah. Because it's, yeah. They make it the money. They make it the money. Mm. We'll talk about House of Gucci shortly. <laughs> um <laughs> But yes, the biggest film release of the week is, of course, um, Marvel's Spider-Man No Way Home. Marvel and Sony is quite crucially. Mm, Oh, dear. Yes. Well, good. You know it's great when the people who made your TV got in on the uh, 
action <laughs> to make people, the film too. When the people who brought you Jack and Jill get involved, yeah. you know the it's people who quality. made that little box that you listen used to listen to tapes on. When they start oh. making films, then you know. <laughs> It's Funnily enough, that film. is not. This is not the last time a Sonny Walkman is going to be mentioned. In this. Oh no! <laughs> okay. Do you want to segue um, into the review? So, um, tell me, what films have you been watching? So, yes, we do have Spider-Man: No Way Home. It's um, the third MCU Spider-Man, and mm-hmm. um, I think the way it's gone with the MCU, Spider-Man having been introduced in Civil War, from what I remember, and then you had Spider-Man: Homecoming. Mm-hmm. Which I really liked. I thought it was really good. Tom Holland is a very yeah. fun Spider-Man who I think gets the balance just right between his Peter per- Parker Peter personality. Perkins. His Peter, Peter Parker Peter personality. Peter personality picked a pipe of pickle pecker. <laughs> it is incomprehensible and yet Tom Holland, Tom Holland Tom. really makes it work. This yeah. is going to be a very good podcast. Mm, I can already tell. Mm, we're doing great. Um, <laughs> I thought his supporting cast were great. You know, you had Michael Keaton as the vulture and um, the actor okay. Ned there and Zendaya and it was just all very good and I really liked the story and the energy of it. Mm. The second one then, Far From Home, I didn't like as much. Mm. But it ended in an interesting place. Okay. Um, and so here we are with No Way Home. Peter Parker has been exposed as Spider-Man and he has been framed for the death oh. of Mysterio. That's interesting. Yeah. I like that concept. Outed. Mm. It is, yeah. It's fun because... Spider-Man is interesting in as much as the MCU has not really been concerned with secret identities whatsoever. No. One of the most defining moments of the entire thing was right back in the very first film, where at the end of it, Tony Stark gets up in front of a big room full of uh, reporters and says, I am Iron Man. Yeah. You know, from that point on, MCU made it clear we're not doing the secret identity storyline that has defined superhero movies since forever. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to do different stuff. But Mm. Spider-Man does have a secret identity and... We see why, because we see the impact of being exposed, you know, what it has on him and his loved ones. And so he decides to enlist the help of Doctor Strange, Benedict Cumberbatch, okay. to try and put things back the way they were, resulting mm. in a cataclysmic event that sees characters from the previous Spider-Man movie franchises sneaking their way into the MCU. In a natural feeling way, or does it? is it somewhat <laughs> crowbarred? I mean, do you know what? It's weird, because like they mention, oh... There's infinite universes out there and we've pulled in the, um, you know, we've accidentally pulled in people who know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man is the idea. Okay. That's what links them all. Although I'm not sure all of the villains had figured that out. But anyway, right. um, here yeah. they are. Um, and it did occur to me, wait, it's a big coincidence, isn't it? That they happen to come from the ones that are like profitable movie franchises. But then I was like, they don't know that in the MCU. No. no. So, <laughs> it kind of makes sense. It'd be yeah. fun if there was one guy who just nobody knew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm Mr. I'm Doctor Square. Yeah, but I, but well, I know it's Peter. I always knew it was Peter. <laughs> I figured it out. <laughs> I live across the road ver- from him, to be honest. It was quite <laughs> my easy. Ver- my version of Spider-Man in my universe just face planted and died immediately his first time <laughs> out, and so just took the mask off him and knew he was Peter Parker. So yeah, everyone knew. So I suppose everyone else in my universe is going to come. <laughs> Luckily, you got Doctor Square first. <laughs> Doctor Square. <laughs> I'm so Why uncool. I'm Dr. Why do they Square. call you that? Well, I'm a geometrist. Ah. Uh, yeah. Mm, I can... Uh, Is that a thing? Calculate a right angle if you'd like. <laughs> they bring me in to calculate any right angles that need to be calculated. Mm-hmm. They can't do it themselves. They call for a, ge- for a geologist. Yeah. Geologist? Why ge- not? Ge- geologist, I think they do rocks. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But the angles of rocks, right? Yeah. 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 So... <laughs> 
it has very intertextual beats, as everybody knew. You know, as soon as Doctor Octopus mm. appeared in the first trailer, everyone was going to be like, okay, we know what they're doing here. And this has the potential to be a big mess. Um, so you've got the sort of story they're trying to tell with our Peter Parker, you know, Tom Holland's mm-hmm. MCU, Peter Parker, and his journey and his difficulty in being Spider-Man and also being Peter Parker, which has been the dual sort of uh, theme okay. throughout this entire thing. And then versus, let's introduce a bunch of stuff from the other movies. Mm-hmm. Um, How's it do? And I, it's it's funny because it's it is genuinely viscerally exciting. Like okay. early on, there is an appearance from a character from a little corner of the MCU mm-hmm. of Marvel, and I'm not going to spoil anything. Um, just for you and me, it's Daredevil from Netflix's Daredevil. Yeah. Um, he shows up, mm. and you get a little. You know, a little Mm. tingle of excitement. Like, yay, oh my god, he's here. That's so exciting. You know, because we thought that that was done. Yeah. That little area of uh, Marvel. Um, That is fun. And then a a little while later, you're kind of used to him being here. And it's like a fake high. You know, it's like a sugar rush. Uh, Yeah. It's like you get the excitement and then it wears off. Yeah. And it's not the same as like exciting the audience with a, you know, surprising story beat or a moment Mm. of emotional resonance. And so throughout the movie, it kind of happens. And because it's artificial, you just want more. Yeah. You know, and you get to the point where they've revealed all of the characters who have snuck over from the other universe. And you think, do another one, though. Yeah. Quickly (laughs) bring in like the uh, the cartoon Spider-Man from the 90s. Do that. You know, Mm. you just you want more and more. And it's um. That's not to say they don't make the most of it, because there's some very interesting stuff done with this kind of shared public knowledge of these characters. Mm. Like, everybody knows what happened to, you know, this guy and this guy, and they're able to find common themes, and most importantly, they're able to relate it back to Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Like, what happened to Dr. Octopus back in Spider-Man 2 is going to have an impact and relevance to what this Tom Holland is going through. Mm. And that's, that's good. I like it when they do that. So it was... Fairly well wrangled, but it is a it is a bit of a messy old beast. Yeah, it's a bit is, of a. Is it entertaining? Oh god, yeah, it oh, really okay. is. But that's a good start. Than, it's got exa- exciting action beats, which mm-hmm. is very much not what I I got from Far From Home, the second one. Okay, um, which, which had very generic action. I I felt mm. a lot of the sequences felt like each other. This one has very distinct ones. It has the highway. It has the apartment building. It has you know the statue of liberty it has these like levels that feel distinct from each other and help you distinguish it and i think that's actually quite important mm. you know and there's plenty of fun cool. in games there's good little character interactions um mm-hmm. and a couple of really genuinely affecting moments based on the characters that you've come and you know gotten cool. used to so i do slightly wish that this had been a contained story based only on our spider-man but it's still hit home mm. and it's nice to have some resolution to the entire spider-man cinematic universe and it manages to not feel too much like a business plan because <laughs> obviously they are still in addition to tying off loose ends from the past they are also setting up future stuff right um and in particular there's a very profound story beat that happens near the end um that recreates one of the more controversial arcs of the comics and rather than being fully in the moment and feeling that sorrow that our character is feeling from this terrible situation i wasn't i was also thinking Oh, do they have to do this because of that rights thing? Uh, yeah. Oh, is this is this because of uh, the the deal that was brokered between two massive studios that this thing is happening to our beloved characters? Oh dear. They, is Sony the real villain here? <laughs> Always. <laughs> <laughs> but nevertheless, very entertaining film and easily okay. the best MCU film since Endgame. Great. Yeah. That's cool. 
Are so you, you recommend it? Check it out. I would. Um, did you see the previous Spider-Man's? No. <laughs> or did you not? <laughs> no, I haven't actually seen either of the other Tom Tom Holland's. But I actually haven't seen a Spider-Man film since oh. uh, Tobey Maguire. Well, there's stuff for you in there. Ooh. Does he come back looking, doing the emo thing that I was so in love with as a 17 year old? Or emo possibly Peter Parker. Whenever, however old I was. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> there were a couple of references that I was expecting him to make. For example, I thought that it might occur to somebody that all of Spider Man's villains are geniuses, scientists who accidentally fell into their own inventions. Mm -hmm. And there is one cute little reference that Electro from the um, Mm. Andrew Garfield Spider-Man makes where he's just like, "Eh, you got to be careful what you fall into. (laughs) That was clever. They didn't quite tie it together that all of them are scientists. Yeah. And that that's kind of crazy. Yeah. But yeah, it was, I I would recommend it. Okay. Are you going to give it some stars or? Ooh. Yes. All right. Uh, Because I do on the written reviews. Let's go. go Let's go four. Let's go four stars on a mate on um, out of nine, because... out of a billion, <laughs> out, <laughs> out of, of five, nine, right? <laughs> out of nine is what it is. Four yeah. out of nine. Is we work, we work on an interesting system here. We do. It's very, very confusing. No, it's four out of five. It's um, four out of five. Cool. Yeah, really entertaining. Um, but yeah, a little bit, a little bit messy. Is it? Was this was the first Spider-Man? Now it was that's released. a very interesting question. Yeah. It was. Oh, re- you- how how does it compare to the first Tom Holland Spider Man? Is it better than that? Oh, one or- that one felt like a more contained story. I okay. would say, even though you've got stuff from the other MCU mm. kind of characters and Iron Man shows up, it still feels like a more singular journey for yeah. Peter Parker. It's sometimes easier with the first film, though, isn't it? Because they're just setting yeah. a character up, and the stakes don't have to be the entire world because yeah. they haven't had to step up to that level yet. Eventually, yeah. once you've saved New York, and then you've saved the planet then it's like well guess i've got to save the universe next well yeah it's literally every world in this one that's yeah. at stake so it's rather the momentous multiverse. but yeah mm, okay <laughs> oh and um, there's some fun doctor strange business as well which okay i quite like that like refracting images and weird mm, cgi fractals and that was that was that's good fun. what did you think i was going to ask you i uh, sorry i thought you asked if this was your first spider-man movie what would you make of it <laughs> oh if this was your first spider-man movie what would you make of it <laughs> i have no idea you might well be very confused because of course we do have a template for this um a few years ago uh spider-man into the spider-verse was a brilliant animated film that did oh, the whole spider-verse the one thing. that has spider pig yes right i spider- haven't seen that either but peter, i really want to watch it peter, peter Pork- porker peter porker yeah let me say right now that's a better movie okay it's, great. um mm-hmm. it's more fun it's more confident in what it is and it absolutely is miles morales's story from beginning to end right um, with other supporting characters who are all there to enforce his story, which is what you need to do with an ensemble cast. Mm. That's a better film. This is um, a very competent and surprisingly fluid version of that in live action. But yeah, not as good. Okay. Because okay. that's really amazing. Mm. What are, so what else have you been watching? Well, <laughs> also on. in cinemas. Tell us about another film. <laughs> I will say the big other releases of this year were, uh, of this week, sorry, uh, West Side Story and Clifford the Big Red Dog, which unfortunately <laughs> Clifford the Big Red Dog, Clifford the Big Red Dog, starring Gosh. Jack Whitehall, yeah. and unfortunately I have not had a chance to in- to check those out. Mm. Maybe maybe next time. Okay. Uh, but also in cinemas, released last Friday, is Lamb. Mm. Mm. This is uh, Valdemar Johansson's directorial debut. 
after having done the special effects for basically anything that was filmed in Iceland. He um, cool. He's done Prometheus, Transformers 4, Rogue One, Game of Thrones. Um, it is therefore a little surprising that the movie features a fairly janky special effect at its center. <laughs> okay. But the image that he's creating is so unique and unsettling uh, that okay. it pro- it does overcome that hurdle and you do adapt. So is this a horror film? That's an interesting question. <laughs> I would say I would say yes, but that has proven controversial. Okay. It's a film about a childless couple living on a sheep farm in a remote in a remote Iceland, I've written. Mm. That's yeah, in one of the in remote a remote Iceland. Yes, in an icy land, mm. who decide to adopt a very unusual lamb that gets born of one of their sheep, uh, and they decide to adopt it as their child, causing tension between the couple, the household pets, and of course the malevolent presence that's stalking the, the um, countryside around their home. Oh yeah, there's always a malevolent presence in the countryside around <laughs> your home. Yeah, here it's foxes. Okay. <laughs> there it's some sort of weird mm-hmm. demonic figure yeah. <laughs> who uh, may have may or may not have begat the lamb. The lamb. Uh, the titular lamb. Mm. So, yes, it's very unsettling. And there's mm-hmm. some quite memorably horrific images and a general sense of unease. But it is, in fact, more similar to a kind of dark fairy tale, uh, like a more grounded tale of tales. Mm. It, it has a kind of absurd dream logic to it. You know, like, oh, this baby has been born and it's half lamb and half person. We must adopt it. And the, the farmer's wife takes it into the house. And, mm. you know, it's it's like it has that kind of weird flow to the story um in which characters don't question their actions right. very much but you know it's very sincere and sort of deeply felt mm. it has the structure of a moral fable with some overtones of leave well enough alone and accept your lot and you know don't rock the boat but okay. actually more so feels like a warning to just respect nature and by respect i mean fear <laughs> fear nature leave it alone do not invite it inside of your house right but there is, there's, you know, a humanity thing in there too. You know, humanity does not get to just pillage nature for whatever it wants mm. in order to complete itself. There's a weird reference early on where a guy's reading the newspaper and he says, huh, it says here that time travel is theoretically possible. And it's just like a little talking huh. point between this guy and his wife. Um, but it kind of creates the tone that maybe the reason that we're getting lamb babies is that mankind is messing with stuff. Interesting. You know, and it has that kind of feel of just... Yeah, be in awe of nature, but don't presume. Does it ask a lot of questions that it doesn't give you definitive answers to? <laughs> well, it does. Ra- in some ways, it actually gives you the answers very bluntly. Okay. In terms of what happens at the end. Right. It's pretty, yeah, just, right. hey, this happened. Okay. What? But why? That's for you to decide. <laughs> right. Okay. Sort of the other way around then. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Sounds Nubia intriguing. Pass, the girl with the dragon tattoo. Mm. She's amazing in Great. the lead. Uh, she's very stern and determined, but really also sincere and has this great warmth to okay. her that's very relatable, even when she starts doing some fairly terrible things. Wow. And just incredible use of the Icelandic landscape, um, against which it sets these really tender moments of humanity between the characters. It's kind of re- reminiscent of Francis Lee's God's Own Country, uh, which was set in the awful, awful barrens of Yorkshire. <laughs> uh, where a, um, Oh, yeah. Uh, get... <laughs> Terrible <laughs> place. Just... Oh, Jesus Christ. You know, at one point, um, what's the big city there? Is it which one? Leeds, Bradford, Huddersfield. I think it was Bradford. They got mentioned. Got mentioned as just this beacon of hope mm. in this place of just all his friends York. have gone to Bradford, and he's left. He's just left in the in the wilds, caring for <laughs> sheep. But like that film, there's like moments of tender humanity there uh, mm. between this couple, and it's similar to um, to Lamb in that respect. And there's a lot of humour here, whether okay. it's in 
whether it's in the very straight-faced presentation of the ludicrous story, because it knows what it is, you know, mm. it knows that when it presents the sheep baby in a, you know, in a little toddler's uniform, it knows that it's going to get titters. But okay, but it leans into it. It leans into it, okay. and it's very sincere. Mm. Um, but there are also some really lovely moments of humanity between the characters. Interesting. Um, and it just, yeah, it was a very interesting film. I Sounds it. Yeah. Sounds it. So how many stars for this one then? Oh, I think that's going to get the five, actually. The full five? I, I think so. It was really... Handing it just... out like candy. <laughs> I think I have to because it was just so... Unique. The, the conviction mm. in its idea. And yes, you're the, it's so unique and just so beguiling okay. that I really do want to watch it again in order to um, just, yeah, feel my way through it more. Okay. Interesting. Very have nice. I convinced Jen to check out Lamb? Uh, you know how I feel about <laughs> scary films. Um, it is scary. Uh, it's more unsettling than outright frightening. There's no jump scares. Okay. There's nothing. Yeah, maybe. I, it sounds so. I hate a horror film. I don't like right. horror films. But mm. when you give me a weird premise like that, it yeah. is interesting. <laughs> I am beguiled. I wish to. So either I'm going to watch it or. I'm going to read the Wikipedia article and find out what happens. So usually if it's more horror, then I'm just going to read the Wikipedia. Um, I imagine that that would be a remarkably short Wikipedia page. Okay. The, plot, the plot is very brief. Like if I wanted right. to lay out this entire plot, I could do so in probably, you know, like um, 30 seconds mm. in terms of what actually happens in this. But it's more about the sort of atmosphere okay. and the relationship between the characters. So it's worth watching properly. I think so. And, I think so. It takes us time. You know, it spends a lot of time with these characters sort of showing how they mm. live their lives. Yeah. I Do you think so. it benefits from a watch at the cinema in particular? or I think it was qu- it was very good to have it in the cinema with other people who were just as weirded out mm. as we were. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that quite worked um, with an audience just sort of kind of muttering. And there is a moment where one of the characters just turns to another one and says, what the fuck is going on? And you just kind <laughs> of you're like, yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I've been asking fair enough, that guy. too. <laughs> Uh, so yeah i'd recommend okay. checking it out okay in very good mm. and uh what other little treats have you got for me what else have you been oh, watching well released at the same time we've got come on 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 <laughs> so come on then <laughs> it's the uh delia who was it who did the is it delia smith who did the um the football thing this year was like come on let's be having you could be I think it might have been. <laughs> Could be. She a... she's a football fan. She's a football. She owns Norwich, doesn't she? Yeah, pretty sure she does. Yeah. And she um and pancakes slowly baking them into cakes. <laughs> <laughs> Every last player. It's a horrifying situation, mm. and you can find out about that. And come on, come on, which is um. <laughs> so what's this film actually about? <laughs> what kind of film are we watching here? <laughs> so this is Mike Mills who directed Beginners, which was one of my favorite films okay. in two thousand and nine. What was that? And that was um Ewan McGregor's elderly father. Uh, played by Christopher Plummer, comes out as gay in his 70s. Oh, cool. Like and decide- he's been married his whole life. Mm. She dies and he's like, you know what? I haven't got long left, so I'm just going to, you know, I need you to help me be gay it. now at this point wow. in my life. That sounds great, girl. actually. <laughs> it was really, really good. I loved that movie. It was mm. fantastic. Meanwhile, he's dating a girl who's deaf and it's, yeah, oh, I cool. really like that movie. He also directed 20th Century Women, which I haven't actually seen yet, but I need to get on that because it has a hell of a cast. Mm. Um, And here he presents a story of a man played by Joaquin Phoenix, Mm -hmm. who offers to look after his nephew on behalf of his beleaguered sister, played by Gabby Hoffman, 
And they get on well at first, but very quickly he learns that being a parent is just the worst thing in the world by all accounts. It's just <laughs> very stressful, but also possibly the best thing in the world. you got to check the film out to see if he actually realizes that or not. It would be, be a ballsy move to just leave it at, no, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Why would anyone do this? Yeah. I always think, if I think about films about parenthood, I always think of, what was it called, Tully? Tully, yeah. Mm, and just the pure... <laughs> pure horror because that film was great because it didn't seem to mm. lean to like it didn't spend too much time on just you know her relationship with her kids of course she loved them i think that was kind yeah, of like yeah. the given it was more just yeah. on how difficult it is for her yeah the kids exist in that movie as yeah. like a force of nature like yeah. it could be um an elderly relative with a care need or something mm. you know you could substitute it out yeah. this is very definitely a film about parents and kids and okay, how they the communicate with each other okay yeah it's a movie about communication because and specifically between parents and adults because Joaquin phoenix's johnny mm-hmm. is some sort of documentarian who interviews children to find out what they think about the future and their experiences okay. with sadness and anger that kind of thing mm. and those interviews which are real and phoenix actually conducted with like kids from the places mm-hmm. they shot in they're just they're worth the ticket price on their own they're, <laughs> they're so amazing the insight um, oh, that he gets from yeah. these kids just you know it's sometimes inarticulate but just really mm. wonderful stuff that he gets from these kids but contrast that very open interaction with johnny's relationship with his much younger nephew played very naturally by newcomer woody norman um they're awkward fraught emotional very volatile wow. they can't relate to each other and one of them is a kid and so is dumb and bad in every way <laughs> and consequently there's just constant falling outs and they both share some similar traumas and are struggling to process what's happening to them and eventually they sort of find a way to relate to each other and it's there's a palpable tension actually that kicks Mm. in when the kid starts acting up or you know goes Mm. missing or confronts Joaquin Phoenix's Johnny uh, (laughs) with some devastating devastatingly honest observation about (laughs) you know his behavior and the walls he's put around himself but Oh, it's a very sweet film as well. Okay, it's so you incredibly would, sincere. You wouldn't call it a challenging watch, despite the topic. No, no I, it's th- there's some f- there's some full on stuff. The reason the mother's not around is because she's gone off to her brother, who is bipolar. Okay, and um, uh, so not mm. her brother. Sorry, her husband, uh, right. which is uh, the kid's father. Sure. Of course, there's this um big worry. You know, has this been passed on? Mm. You know, but really, he's just a a normal just kid, a kid. <laughs> who acts up in the way he does. Yeah, yeah it's just trying um, to deal with stuff. Exactly, trying yeah, to deal with how awful it is to be alive. He didn't ask it's, for this. He didn't ask to be here, and it's just the worst. It's the worst mm. place, and it's it's shot in black and white with a very evocative sense of the cities the film takes place in, specifically okay. L.A., New York, and New Orleans. A little bit of Detroit, not mm. not too much Detroit. Don't worry, not too much Detroit. <laughs> you wouldn't notice it. Phew. Yeah, show up a little late, you'll miss Detroit. Okay, um, giving a rich sense of each setting, but it's. It's character-driven and it's beautifully cool. played, especially by Phoenix, who shouldn't have gotten his Oscar for that stupid clown movie he was in. He should have won it for, <laughs> he should have won it for her. Yeah. Or if not her, then for this as an apology for not giving it to him for her, yeah. which the Oscars Absolutely. do do sometimes. Absolutely. <laughs> like John Wayne. Yeah. His Rooster Cogburn award is just like, we're sorry we didn't give this to you when you were good. <laughs> <laughs> just have it, have it now. Yeah. Before Consolation you die. award. Yeah, exactly. We've, we've noticed you're getting old and aren't doing good films anymore, <laughs> but we're sorry that we didn't give this earlier. Um, and it just it just causes a backlog, though. Yeah. Because now the person who was young and excellent that year, you yeah. know, needs to get theirs and some subsequent. Year I say we make fewer it. films. I say we make five films a year. I'd be behind that. And yep. then um, we can just 
give awards out to everyone. Yep. Because probably everyone met. will have won an award that year because there was so few. Yeah, probably met our quota on white male directors, so yeah. we'll, we'll leave them out for a good well, decade. Twenty. Yeah. Twenty. Okay, two decades. Yeah, twenty. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Two decades. Split the difference. Thirty years. <laughs> um, Absolutely, and then they could do one, one every other year. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, that sounds good to me. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Come on, come on. It reminded me of Marriage Story. Okay. Um, did you see Marriage Story? No. No, about back. no. Oh, you know, I is. haven't seen anything. <laughs> Fair enough. Marriage Story. If you I ever watched it re- with me, Paul, I probably haven't seen it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> That's really good, but this is really good as well. It's an yeah, elegant heard. portrayal of human mess. Okay. And it's a beautiful film about how stupid and broken we all are and how beautiful it is that we all get to do that together. And it goes to dark places, but it's too full of love for its subjects to be a drag. Oh, that sounds really nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's sad. I would watch this one. Yeah. And that's that's going to get all five as well. Yeah, all five. Great. Yeah, all no, five. this one is... Um, mm. Yeah, I'd watch this one. Um, mm. It sounds like the kind of film you would take me to see at the cinema. <laughs> um, sounds like the kind of fil- film I would try and put on at home. But it would be, you know, 8 p.m. on a Friday and I'm like, mm, am I too tired for this? <laughs> Maybe we'll just yeah. watch the first 20 minutes of that Spider-Man one instead and then I'll fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that's probably the better option. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. Well, uh, yeah. No, they yeah. sound like some interesting films. I probably would give all hey. of them a watch. Ah, good stuff. Thank you for bringing them to my attention. Yes. Are we concluding? Because there's like way more. <laughs> Oh, you want to say a lot more? Okay, so you've got more films. Do you have more I have films? More, I have more films. I thought you, you said you had Jen. three films. I don't remember ever saying I had three films. You said I wasn't listening properly. You said something about how many words you had written down. Then you were like split between three. That's only whatever. Ta- have... Okay. Anyway, <laughs> we're not concluding then. That's fine. Do you have four more films? But okay, <laughs> are they all as good? Or are you going to give them a, a shorter shrift? Are oh, they all as good? Resident Evil, welcome to <laughs> Raccoon City. <laughs> so five stars, yeah? Yep, all five for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this this is following and is fairly completely distinct from the Paul W.S. Anderson, Mila Jovovich franchise that started in 2002 and unbelievably only ended in 2016. Wow. It's the most naughty's ass franchise there mm-hmm. ever was and somehow it made it six years into the following <coughs> decade. <coughs> A quick five years after that, we get Johannes Roberts' take on the franchise. Um, so the the big distinction is that the Anderson Jovovich movies use the concept of the hit video game series, specifically Evil Corporation Makes Zombies, mm-hmm. as a jumping off point for something big and crazy and undeniably fun. Mm. This is a faithful adaptation of the first two games, which are now written to have occurred at the same time. Okay. So we have a team of special forces cops, which every small town has. Yeah. Course. who are called out to invest they actually have two teams wow. the first one goes missing second one goes out to search for them and end up cornered in a spooky mansion where zombies <laughs> but also second game we also have a woman named claire redfield who arrives in raccoon city looking for her brother guy who went to mansion only to find zombies so yeah yeah having these stories occur simultaneously is in some ways an elegant solution for packing more story into this. Although you could have actually expanded one of the games into a full old movie if you decided you wanted to have characters in it, for example, instead of just plot. <laughs> nah. <laughs> nah. nah. It sl- slows them. you down. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it does de- they're just going to get killed off, Paul. There's no point. 
it does detract from the mansion story quite a bit. If you're trying to tell a claustrophobic, oh shit, we've got to get away from this place. If you're simultaneously cutting to the place they're going to get away to, which yeah. is also covered in zombies. <laughs> Just wait till they find out. Uh-oh, Uh-oh. they're going to be so mad. <laughs> Should have stayed put. <laughs> Yeah. Oh god! Well, look, but the big problem here is the script, which mm. emphasizes uh, video game style objectives over story or character, and the dialogue is horrendously bad. And for some reason, they really, really want you to know that this is 1996. Oh, there is Important. a bizarre speech delivered by the right. police chief in which he admonishes rookie cop Leon Kennedy by suggesting he'd rather be off doing half a dozen other 90s things. He's like, I suppose you'd rather be at home watching a VHS of Independence Day. It's like it's like wow. six different 1996 things. It's ridiculous. Huh. With uh. your Walkman. <laughs> well, <laughs> there is one benefit to the 90s references, and it is the best scene in the film. Okay. Leon is listening to Jennifer Page's crush. Right. You may know it. Just... A little, no. a little crush. It is that one. It's not like everything you did. You nailed it. I never yeah, usually get did. that right. <laughs> Jennifer Page, pretty... Eternal. Mm. <laughs> you got that tattoo? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, let yeah, me just... He's... Just a little crush. Yeah, that's what it yeah, says. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Jennifer Page. By Jennifer, Jennifer Page. By Jennifer Page. <laughs> yep. He's listening to that on his Sony Walkman. Ah. And um, it's a Sony film, so everybody uses Sony uh. products. But to be fair, it's less in Congress in the 90s that yeah. all the handsets on phones are made by Sony. Yeah. Um, and he's listening to this teen pop song so loudly on his Walkman that he doesn't notice a truck crash just outside the open door he sat by. And just as the chorus kicks in, a, f- a flaming zombie just casually strolls into the police station. And it's one of the most <laughs> surreal images I've seen in my life. That sounds fun. It does sound like a lot of fun. Yeah, but unfortunately, that image is unique uh, Mm. to that to the film. So maybe just YouTube that scene. Right. So the rest (laughs) of the film doesn't hold up, is what you're saying? Not really. It's just a bit of a zombie shooter fest with bad characters. Okay. It's nice to see a Resident Evil movie that focuses more on horror than action. Okay. And the stuff involving classic franchise monster Lisa Trevor, who wears her mother's uh, her dead mother's severed face over her own face. Yeah, it's um, it's fairly affecting, even if it does kind of feel like Del Toro light. Okay, like she looks like she just walked off the set of Pan's Labyrinth. Sure. Um, it's just a little too perfunctory, and the whole story feels surprisingly small and very mm. unfocused. Okay. Yeah, so, so I think just the two for that one. Just two stars. Okay. Just two. For just this guy. two. Two stars. Just two probably not worth stars. watching it at the cinema. I, if you're a Resident Evil, if you are a fan of the early Resident Evil games, what you'll get is like a, a fan film. Okay. It's like, uh, uh? Right. Okay. That guy. Yeah. That, yeah. Classic. He just said Jill Sandwich. Ugh. Like in the game. Yes, I know. <laughs> I get it. I Everyone games. gets it. It's, it's definitely mainstream popular culture now. Mm. I've, uh, I've seen the films and everything. Just yeah, Tetris, right? A little crush. A little crush. Yeah. Jill Sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> she was so prophetic with Jennifer Page. <laughs> Jennifer? Jessica? Miss mm. Page. I call her Miss Page. Miss Page. Is, respect, um, absolutely. Dr. Yeah. Page? Oh, oh, yes, please. <laughs> Professor Page. <laughs> she had a hell of a career after she really did. Crush came out. She no, was... Crush came after. <laughs> you know what? She got I'm a PhD first, and then thought, "This ain't for me." <laughs> Let me You're just do this star. one 
let me do this one amazing song yeah. and then then i'll go back to academia 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 sandwich um <laughs> so two stars for that and i think have you got anything better yeah, three uh, films well, is not some... enough paul i need to film a night <laughs> i have something slightly better in some ways mm-hmm. we have house of gucci house of gucci house of gucci a house and... of gucci so gucci is lady gaga on the call mm. it's like she's she's actually not bad i, I will i will i love gaga. say that i have it on good authority that her italian accent is very very close cool um yeah, House of Gucci. This rumbles on, which might just appease the monkey that's on Ridley Scott's back or <laughs> lessen the chip on his shoulder. It'll make him happy. He's very mad. Okay. He's mad that The Last Duel, his other film he released this year, didn't do very well. Because it was bad? Re- <laughs> well, it was actually apparently quite good. I didn't see it. I didn't yeah. get a chance to. Because, unfortunately, he released it during a global pandemic one week after the new Bond movie and the week before Dune. Also during the London Film Festival. Right. So, well. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't get round to it, but he blames millennials yeah. for this. Shame on you, Ridley. <laughs> Shame on you. Shame Come on, on you. Ugh. Absolute joke. Uh, little known fact, his middle name is actually Diddley. Ridley so- Diddley Scott. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Richard R. U. R. D. joke. It's very good. It's very good. <laughs> House of Gucci is doing much better and mm. certainly has some legs on it to still be getting prominent screenings. I mean, we were at the cinema last week at about three weeks after it was out, and oh, yeah. the the main screen at the place we saw Spencer in was still like the house of yes, Gucci. Yes, it was, wasn't it? It was. Mm-hmm. So it's the story of the assassination, spoilers, of um, Maurizio <laughs> Gucci, played here by Adam Driver. Mm. Adam Driver. Adam Driver. Adam Driver. I never know of Americans, you know, who's Italian mm. and who's not. They're, no. all, they're all Italian. They're all Italian in a sense. Yeah. And his relationship with his wife, Patrizia Reggiani, uh, Lady Gaga. I'm sure that's completely incorrect pronunciation. Oh, a, I'm pretty sure right. I nailed Patrizia, but uh, Reggiani. Mm. If there's two G's in a row. getting Okay, getting stress right in Italian words is an absolute mm. art form yeah. and um, <laughs> it's completely impenetrable to anyone who's not Italian. I feel like there's two G's in fromaggi. I th- oh, yeah, I think and it's that's... a just sound. It's just just. It's a just sound. Okay. It's just uh, where you put the stress in whatever the word was. Reggiani. Oh, yeah. Reggiani. Re- yeah. Reggiani. It's probably Reggiani. Hey, You're right. It's probably Reggiani. Reggiani. Probably. But it's a, <laughs> it's a grandiose romantic drama with a Lady Macbeth style narrative about ambition and power mm. in this glamorous world of Italian fashion of the uh, 1970s, I believe. It might be 60s, actually. Mm. Um, the problem for me is one of tone and focus. And this is proving to be a bit of a pattern for Ridley Scott, for mm. old Ridley Diddley lately. Mm. Ridley Diddley lately. <laughs> if you look at All the Money in the World, Alien Covenant, The Counselor, it all feels a bit first draft. And this right. can't quite decide if it wants to be Phantom Fred or Dynasty. Okay. And then fucking Jared Leto arrives. Right. That's and it's always a good me, sign. Mario. <laughs> Papi, why are you doing this to me? He's wearing a bald cap and a fat suit and a ridiculous mustache and haircut. And it's mm. why you're breaking my heart. <laughs> right. He's a, mm. he's a clown. And his scenes mm. are so incongruous with the serious drama. Adam Driver with his serious, respectable Italian voice. And it yeah. just makes you wonder if it was some sort of hasty post-production addition to make the film okay. more commercially viable. Because, yeah, Leto like, sells everything to me. 
You're going to see it because of Jared Leto. It, he got good laughs in the room. Yeah? Like, he was getting laughs. So it was supposed yeah, to be funny. It's just like if... if you could have got Mike Myers to play him. It's definitely, right. I think, supposed to be funny, but okay. it's such an incongruous style of ca- comedy for the rest of the film. Right. It's bizarre. And is it- even the other characters start to act campier and sillier when he's right. around. It's the famous scene from the trailer in which um, Lady Gaga uh, blesses herself by saying uh, something like uh, Mother, Father, House of Gucci yeah. is in that scene. And it's, you know, very silly. Yeah, that is silly. <laughs> <laughs> So it's not, uh, I thought it was sort of supposed to be with some fun, dark comedy, but mostly like a kind of gritty drama thing about powerful people doing dangerous things. But is it not quite that? It needed, I think it needed to be, it was trying to, I think, be succession in the fashion world. You know, it's, Mm. I don't know, regarding focus, the film announces itself as Lady Gaga's movie. Right. We meet her immediately after the gorgeous prologue, prologue that is just Adam Driver charmingly riding a bike mm-hmm. uh, through Milan, which I could have easily watched for the entire two and a half hours. This oh, also, yeah. this, People this underestimate also, that. Directors, pay attention. I would fucking, I, Vittorio De Sica would have just put him on a fucking bike and put him through the town and I'd have loved it. Yeah. Um, incidentally, this movie is also way too long. Okay. Uh, we stick with Gaga for most of the narrative until Act <clears throat> 2 at the end when something happens... And we kind of just drop her until we need a climax to happen. Ah. And I feel like Scott and screenwriters Becky Johnston and Roberto... Oh, shit. Bentevenia. I'm going to go. I'll take yeah. it. I can't say it written yeah. down. <laughs> Great. That, that's advantage me. Nobody Google that. Mm. Uh, just needed to decide whose story this is. Because okay. you can't have it be Adam Driver's. Because he's His dead? character... <laughs> Because <laughs> he's dead, he doesn't die till the end. It shows it, it establishes the fact that he dies at the beginning, and then we yeah. said, "But how did I end up in this crazy situation?" What the how? Goes, <laughs> what how the how? I, I ask you. <laughs> so yeah, he can't be the main character because he is glacial and beautiful right. and seductive, mm. but also mysterious and mm-hmm. elusive. And oh, perhaps we never really knew him, you know. And he's a great character for Lady Gaga's story, but he can't be our lead because there's no way in. Yeah. So once the movie kind of switches over to him for the third act, I can't help but feel alienated, which is a right. shame because Lady Gaga's fantastic in this and deserved to have a movie about her character. Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, she definitely yeah. was the bit of the trailer that I thought, yeah, I'd probably watch yeah. that because of Gaga. <laughs> Everything else all is, the, was secondary, to be honest. And all the, the clownish men just dancing around her. Yeah. Al Pacino's here and, you yeah. know, he's doing his Al Pacino bit that he's been doing. Don Cacino. You know. Dunkachino. He's doing the Dunka 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 Dunkachino, and it's mm. yeah, it's just Jeremy Irons is here too, and God bless him, he doesn't even try. Although a friend of mine who knows more about this does say he is the actor, and he is an actor mm. who maybe uh, lost the accent when he was working oh, on the film. So for film, okay, yeah, interesting for film, mm. because yeah, I feel like Jeremy Irons would try an Italian accent if you asked him to. Oh yeah, for sure. The guy's a maverick. Mm. Played identical gynecological twins. In the 80s. He'll do whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. Killed Simba. Yeah. He'll do he it. Fucking, he fucking killed Simba. Yeah. I don't remember that happening in the movie, but I believe it. He killed Simba. <laughs> Wait, does he kill Adam Driver? <laughs> oh, shit. You're going to have to watch and find out how Suguchi. You probably yeah. have already seen it. It's doing weirdly well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Um. Okay, so how many stars oh. for this one? Uh, it's not like... T- 
<laughs> I love the, <laughs> this concept of giving stars for films. It's so, uh, so much of a straight, so foreign to you. <laughs> I try to make it arbitrary, uh, arbitrary in general. It makes it more fun. Usually yeah, I say yeah, four. You don't have to give fourth, it stars if you don't want to. No, no, it's fine. I, I usually say four for a film that works perfectly well, five for something that blows you away, three for something that's not quite there. So I think this is three. Okay. I don't think it's two in as much as it didn't start to annoy me. Mm. Although Leto got close. <laughs> two for yeah, Leto, three for the rest. Yeah, exactly. Sure. <laughs> for the movie that Leto was in, that's a two-star movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. For the Adam Driver, Lady Gaga movie, that's three stars. Great. Okay. That Actually, that one's four. It averages at three. Right. That's fair. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Oh. The moral of the tale is don't Leto your film up. Don't let a Leto in. <laughs> don't Leto him in. Don't, don't you know? Leto him in. The other day I saw Paul Dano was in a thing and I couldn't help but think of the one good thing joke that we made of that his his chat up line would be, hey baby, Paul Dano, your pants. <laughs> <laughs> That's so I'm dumb. Gonna, it's so dumb, but I can't <sighs> think of his of him now, unfortunately. And he's in the new Batman, so I need uh, to get over that. Oh, the one he's with the Robert Pattinson. Thanks. Yes. Yes, he's oh, the cool. Riddler to his Batman. How do you yeah. how do you feel about that? Because I watched the trailer like two years ago and it looked cool, but then again I yes. thought the same about the Joker. No, sorry. Yeah, true. Joker. Yeah. Well, yes, <laughs> yes, of course. Um, no, yes, indeed. The trailer looks fine. I haven't been. I don't know. It's very soon, and of course, the Dark Knight trilogy is one of my favorite yeah. superhero things of all time. But that's why the trailer surprised me so much because yeah. I saw it and I was like, oh no, that's old. We've we had they came out <laughs> like ages years ago. Yeah. And then they're like, oh no, it's a new one. We're doing another Wait, gritty was, reboot of uh, Batman. That was a whole Batman ago. That was Batfleck ago as well. Oh so gosh, oh, they than... don't count. <laughs> it looks better than Batfleck. You're kidding oh, me. Oh god, no. That's I say fair. I like superhero films. I have not watched many. <laughs> that is fair. You've liked the ones you've seen and I appreciate I've that. I've not I, even I, liked I all you. of them. I think Thor's very good. <laughs> Thor is good. No, Thor 1 is boring Thor 2 sucks yeah. Thor Ragnarok is great <laughs> that's the way there yes. you go <laughs> Iron Man liked Iron Man I think I liked Iron Man, Iron Man 2 good. can't remember right. no I enjoyed Iron Man 3 I think that's one with the kid yes. in right yeah when he gets yeah, he's getting is. PTSD is that yes right? oh yeah that was good I enjoyed that yep I really <clears> liked 3 liked the yeah, Avengers yeah. they were fun yep loved your first Avengers in particular I really, it's my favourite MCU film can't still, remember I it <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, this is why you do the reviews. Um, hey. Speaking of which, what else have you seen? I've, Tell well, me another film. Okay, penultimate. Penultimate. Um, Ghost, Ghostbusters Afterlife is still in cinemas mm. and is doing very well. Um, this is another attempt at a successful sequel to the 1984 supernatural comedy, which has proven somewhat elusive. Mm. Um, this time directed by Jason Reitman, the son of the original director Ivan Reitman. Ivan. Ivan. That's a good, good name. Yeah. Um, Jason really got her. He yeah. was like, no, my son shall have a much worse name than me. <laughs> much more generic. <laughs> my father he goes in cycles. My father was Gus. His father, Constantine. <laughs> Gus is pretty good though. I'm I'm a fan of Gus. Okay. My, my no, here's how we do it. My father I'm I'm Ivan. My father was Paul. And then his father uh. was Constantine. There you go. <laughs> now I've burnt you. Fair. You can continue. <laughs> I've, oh oh, <laughs> I feel burnt. Yeah. Oh, God. Now, <sighs> when reviewing a new installment in a thing, I don't think it's always necessary to compare it to the original. It's yeah. very annoying when an exciting new film is dismissed because it departed too far from the, you know yeah. people's expectations for it because of the original film. But 
<laughs> this film makes it very hard not to think about 1984's Ghostbusters. Right. It is so mired in nostalgia. And I know mm. that this is going to sound contradictory to what I was you know, saying was really good about Spider-Man. But this, I don't know, in some ways this reminds me of Spencer. Okay. It's the idea of history is currency. Mm-hmm. You know, the score, the props, even the threat that the characters face is essentially that of the original. And the characters just feel kind of trapped in it. Right. And it's just, ugh. Well, okay, so we have a single mother, played by Carrie Coon. Mm-hmm. And her two kids, played by Finn Wolfhart and McKenna Grace. Okay. Uh, and they are forced to move into the mother's dead father's uh, creepy farmhouse. Into the, the mother's being... dead father. Into the mother's dead father. It's a terrible situation, mm. especially since that is um, Egon Spengler, originally played by Harold Ramis, who tragically passed away in 2014. Oh. So they move into him. Yep. And they start noticing spooky things and end up having to become Ghostbusters. And also sounds Paul fun. Rudd is around. Yeah, yeah it um, sounds pretty fun. You know, it is. Pr- sounds like you a know romp. What? It's a romp. It's pretty fun. The problem with making me think of the original is mm. that it does draw attention to the shortcomings of the film, yeah. which are slight, but feel amplified when you're making me think about one of the funniest films of all time. Yeah. It's... The original film was a comedy that happened to be about ghosts. Mm. Could have been about rats. Mm. Could easily have been about rats. And they were just exterminators. But every scene was driven by character, dialogue, and gags. And very good and actors. And very good actors. And the film is funny, but it's... Sorry, this film is funny. Afterlife is funny, but it's the comedy of the blockbuster. Right, You know, it's yeah. one-liners and, you know, quips and mm. nothing that you haven't seen before. There's nothing surprising where you're like, oh, shit, that joke took me by surprise. Mm. You know, it's it's just there to get a few laughs whilst the audience wait for the next thing that the movie's actually about, which might be an action sequence or a horror moment. Okay. But in this, it's nostalgia. Right. You're waiting for the next bit of nostalgia the film has for you. And by also being so indebted to the first film, it can't help but make me think that that movie needed to happen when and where it did. It's a quintessentially 80s mm. New York film. You know, early on, Annie Potts makes a cameo as Janine Melnitz, the mm-hmm. uh, receptionist from the original film. Okay. You know, and she just comes in with her New York a- accent, and it just reminds you of how essentially mm. New York that movie was. You know, even the score, which they repeat note for note in this film, really? sounds like Gershwin. You okay. Know, it sounds like, yeah. you know, the wa- walking the dog. It just sounds like mm. New York. And, you know. Yeah, it's a fun place or, to set your film, isn't it, New York? It is. The sticks, you know, a farmhouse. It just doesn't have the same sort of energy to it. No. The sort of um, chaotic energy that made the Ghostbusters so special. Also, Ghostbusters 1984 is an unashamed celebration of 80s-style free market capitalism. <laughs> you know, it's a plucky gang of well-educated entrepreneurs mm. who managed to essentially privatize an emergency service <laughs> for an extortionate rate. Yeah. <laughs> And their biggest enemies are government oversight. So, <laughs> oh the eighties! Oh the eighties! Oh, you gave us it, so much, and that gets a bizarre fr- uh, look in here. Really, in a throwaway line in which um, returning uh, what's his name, um, the one who's not Bill Murray. Uh, it's someone Ray. in an ambulance, and they're like, "Thank God we're paying for this <laughs> out of my own it's, pocket." Oh God, it's Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. He mm. shows up. And has a throwaway line praising Reaganomics. Right. Bizarrely. Just, you know, it was Who's a great economy. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's very weird. You may not agree with the conservative spirit of the first film, but the sense of fun would yeah, carry you along fun. with it. So yeah, you wouldn't really fine. notice. There's nothing wrong with having conservative characters also yeah. be humans and have some fun, you know, like. Yeah. Uh, people don't have got different opinions. It Whatever. Was, At least they're was, still human. <laughs> literally any time you went to go see a blockbuster in the 80s, you were somehow endorsing conservative values. Yeah. 
with without that sense of fun you have to dwell on what mm. the movie is really about and because this movie doesn't want to wholeheartedly endorse conservative politics it falls back on the theme that every lazy, lazy blockbuster does it's about family oh. and legacy family you know? family i never really knew my dad so it's all about that and that's very relatable and it's like it's relatable but we've seen it so much i think i actually think that's it's just such a lazy story to be like i just never knew him i never knew him it's like well that's just easier than writing a relationship isn't it well exactly (laughs) i come the end you know what it's gonna turn out really did love her after all yeah i bet he did i bet he had a picture of her on his desk yeah it's just like it doesn't solve anything so anyway anyway that's when you realize that the slightly dodgy entrepreneurs, the the fun-loving you know mm. guys who are out to just make money at any cost, aren't the characters of the films, but the people behind the movie. Okay. That's where you've got your sort of Reaganomics. Right. This is the movie that the Ghostbuster characters would make to celebrate themselves, right. to make a quick buck. Okay. But it's not all bad. McKenna Grace mm. uh, plays Phoebe, uh, mm-hmm. the youngest uh, daughter, uh, who is Spengler's granddaughter, mm-hmm. and she's great. She's cool. really good. She has the spirit of Harold Ramis's character, but is definitely doing her own thing. Um, she's very naturally funny. And there's a good action set piece about halfway through involving a car, and mm. they're chasing a ghost with a car and various gadgets, and that's quite exciting and fun. No, so, that sounds fun. It's not all bad. It's, it's perfectly, you know... It's a romp. Inoffensive. Yeah, it's a romp. Family fun. It's... Introduce yeah. your kids to Reaganomics. <laughs> <laughs> concept yeah it's yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> would you call it a fun family blockbuster for the holiday season uh, <laughs> you know what yes i think if yeah. you took your kids to it and it would be I, I think at the end it really goes for the heartstrings just entirely again based on nostalgia and what audience nah. and audiences experience of the original movies yeah. but yeah i could see that working i just found it a little an easy watch frustrating yeah yeah it's not gonna not gonna push anything too hard no. There's going to be no lamb children in this one, is there? <laughs> no. No hard truths. No. Okay. So um, let me guess. I'm going to say three or... F- well, it's going to be three or four. St- five stars. Five stars. Oh, this one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, f- definitely at least five. Maybe more. Mm. But closer to... I think this one's actually going to get three. Yeah. I think I'm going to put it up there with House of Gucci. I think that feels fair in terms of yeah. a compromised vision. Okay. So yeah. it's all right, but... Yeah, if you're desperate. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. Or keep the kids quiet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank God that's all we need. If you don't want to watch Come On, Come On with them and learn how to speak with them, then. Yeah. <laughs> Look, kids, do you want to learn something or do you want to just shut up for a couple of hours? <laughs> yeah. uh, shut up? Yeah, the right answer. That's good. Good. <laughs> Mummy's not ready for learning uh. today. <laughs> well, speaking of mummies who aren't ready for really anything, we've got our last film because Spencer is still Yay! in cinemas. This is the only one he... I've seen. The only one you've seen? Mm. I want to know what you think. What did you think of Spencer? Oh, I really liked it. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. That's my hot take. It's a good film. Oh, shit. Look at this. Yeah. Who knows where that's go- that came I from? I know. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really great. Yeah, I thought I really I... enjoyed it. It was definitely worth seeing. Yeah, I think so, because what I love about it is that it's not afraid to be what it is. No. It doesn't care whose toes it's going to step on mm-hmm. or feel indentured to provable or even really plausible reality. Mm-hmm. It's just this is a film. This film is a testament to the spirit of Diana's legacy and its place in the British national mindset. Mm. You know, does it help the narrative if Diana grew up in a house just outside of the of the palace and that it's a creepy ghost house now? It does. Great. Then it did. Yeah. Yeah. then it's there that's fine 
you know, if it helps the story, let's just fucking do it. Yeah. And, you know, a historian can make a documentary about what really happened. Yeah, exactly. This, this is, you know, if it's not factful, it's definitely truthful. It's mm. the story of Lady Diana, Kristen Stewart, uh, dutifully returning to Sandringham Palace mm-hmm. uh, to spend Christmas Eve, Christmas Day and Boxing Day with the royal family. Um, it's about how awful that is, how trapped she is and how, you know, and it's about suffocating and about the impact that history and tradition has on her mental health and also her husband's having an affair and her boys are disappearing into this horrible you know machine Mm. that churns up the human spirit and releases marketability so also she's afraid they want to kill her like anne boleyn (laughs) oh yes yes also they might want to try and kill her yeah and she thinks they're leaving her some very um subtle <laughs> not so subtle hints around the place yeah we're going Fucking to off ball. you in a bit yeah um which play is ball, interesting <laughs> yeah absolutely very interesting uh, yeah and the ghost of amberley just st- stalks yeah. her through this ridiculous place it's just it's beautiful and it it very beautifully articulates a battle that i think is mm. at the heart of the british sense of national identity which is kind of the burden of our history mm. because we're very fucking old <laughs> and we used to be quite important speak for yourself and- <laughs> Oh, absolutely, yes. A, Some of us are still tremendously important. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this tremendous anxiety about, you know, the future of Britain and change mm. and, you know, would it actually be better if we tried to keep hold of what we had, you know, yeah. rather than embrace something that we don't really know about and where we might be smaller, as small as we actually are. Mm. But we all really long for it because we know that stagnation is death and that the royal mm. family are the epitome of that stagnation. Mm. Um as ev- as evidence, I mean, this story is kind of remarkable to have happened when it did and to have started filming presumably before Meghan Markle and Prince mm. um, Harry yep. left, you know, to yeah. demonstrate, oh, hey, one of her kids got away. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Because yeah. I, saw the, I saw the screenwriter, Stephen Wright, speak at mm. um, the London Film Festival and he said he wanted to understand the legacy of Diana and why she meant so much to the British people and here he is positing that it's because she seemed real. Mm. And so there was this great national sense of wishing the system could be all about her. And then when it obviously couldn't be, and you know, news of her eating disorders and chaotic behavior came out, of hoping that she might be able to escape. And it's mm. really clever how the film finds ways to make that sense of concern, national concern, felt through the staff and the media, and in particular her relationship to her dresser, played by Sally Hawkins. Yeah. There's a good sort of interaction mm. between her and the people that goes on without, mm. you know, needing a scene where she's suddenly surrounded by the public or that awful sequence in um, the Gary Oldman Dunkirk uh, Churchill movie where he's on the subway and suddenly some ordinary Brits come up to tell him what they think. I think you're doing a pretty good job, Mr. Churchill. Oh, I love oh, you dude. so much, Churchill. Oh, look, look it's Churchill. <laughs> like, oh, I look like a baby. <laughs> Yay. Yay. I hated that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't um, know that one was a hard no from me. Yeah, fair enough. You've got to work oh, really God. hard to get onto my, the list of films I'm actually going to bother watching <sighs> in the year that they came out. And, um, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. There's a movie where the Academy were just like, it's Gary Oldman's turn. We should have given it to him for mm, Smiley. Yeah. We fucked up. We'll give it to him for this. Yeah. It's also yeah. Churchill, isn't it? Churchill. Yes, Churchill. Churchill. He's important, I'm led to believe, by the British people who yeah. wrote in. People love him. People love him. Oh, they love him. He's on all our money. He's yeah. on all of our money. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's also a film about mental health and specifically eating disorders. Mm. And director Pablo Lorraine does a really stunning dr- job of like trapping Diana in these gorgeous oh, places yeah. and 
making the the space that she has the sheer amount of space mm. seem claustrophobic yeah in this contradictory way yeah. and there's and there's something all really... this beautiful food that she has access to and they're so desperate for to just be normal yes. and eat something or some people yes. just genuinely caring about her health and her relationship yeah. with that is just um it looks so ta- i was hungry and then when we watched yeah. it and it was so <laughs> tantalizing that like, was before the big stanky burger we ate. yeah that was before the big stanky burger um <laughs> i love yeah. that we watched this film of the most refined you know they're going out of their way to make the most tantalizing yeah. things for her so she might keep them down <laughs> she might eat yeah. And then afterwards we went and ate a dripping burger. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. But I mean, that ultimately I feel like was in the right spirit. Yeah, it was for actually. What happens in the it film. Was. Because, yeah, oh God. Because yeah, the, the food feels weaponized. Mm. It's literally delivered to the palace in yes. machine gun boxes. Boxes that have like M1A1 machine gun mm. written on the top and it's full of lobsters. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's very interesting. And at the heart of all this chaos and, you know, claustrophobia is Kristen Stewart. Mm. Who is fantastic? Oh god, her, yeah. Her first scene had me a little worried because it's mm. a little caricaturish. I can but see you why. pointed out that that's sort of perhaps part of Diana's performance yeah. as herself that she kind of does. I died a deep insight there. Mm. You're, you're <laughs> welcome. It's very profound. <laughs> um, but by the time you get to the castle, you know the the palace, the breathy delivery, her yeah. demure body language, and pained expression that she has just felt entirely natural and oh yeah you know i don't i didn't think at all looking at her that that was that's kristen stewart oh no there. i actually saw a photo of diana like mm. the day after or yeah. that same week and i was like that's not what she looks like <laughs> oh no that was a film i saw no she kristen stewart yeah, she, does an amazing job she absolutely nails yeah. it totally yeah, believable really does. it's it's oh. diana that you're watching even yeah, in I this really... film that is billed as what was it a fable based on a true story like yeah all these weird tragedy. things true yeah. tragedy that's it all these strange yeah. things are happening and some of it is very definitely sort of dream sequences or yeah you don't know how much is real how much isn't um and yet she still managed to make yeah. it really um feel very real yeah, yeah she absolutely did mm. and i hope the academy takes notice and doesn't reward jared leto oh gosh <laughs> I feel like it might. Sometimes it likes big fat suits, as <laughs> evidenced by Gary Oldman. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this this isn't this isn't really a biopic. It's a horror film yeah. about a troubled young woman trying to rescue her children <laughs> from a family of terrifying ancient vampires. Mm-hmm. And I love it for that. I yeah. love it for its courage. Yeah. <laughs> and I, with that, I think I'm out. Okay, this five stars, yeah, hard five stars. Oh, f- hard five stars. Hard five stars, yeah. And. If you're out there and wondering if I could only see one of these movies, which one would Paul recommend? Oh, yeah. Which one I... would you recommend of all of them? Oh, Seven films it's... you've recommended? Yeah, I know. Because yeah. I enjoyed Spider-Man a lot, and I think people are going to enjoy it, but they don't. that doesn't need my recommendation. I think it's Lamb, Come On, Come On. Or... You know what? I think it is Spencer. If you haven't mm. seen Spencer, um, catch it whilst you can. It's on its way out. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely I, it's very try beautiful. and get yourself to Spencer. I enjoyed seeing yeah. it at a, at a cinema in particular as well, just because it's got some lovely, you know... It's filming mm. most of this in a giant palace, so why not watch it on a oh, big yeah. screen? Well, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very grandiose images. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very nice. Okay, so. Excellent. I oh, think we're done. I think we've got some good films there. Thanks, mm. Paul. Thank you. You watch them so Thank I don't you. have to. Jen. <laughs> it, yep. Yeah. It's a privilege to do so. And then I can just mention them in, com- in passing to other people. So yeah, like, I'm hoping now... Them. Having heard all of that bollocks, that you could now really just 
blow the socks off of any cineast yeah. that you yeah bullshit just yeah. yeah 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 talk your talk your way into any film production company in this mm. in this land yeah you better believe i steal your opinions most of the time <laughs> don't have any of my own <laughs> oh god that's what men are for <laughs> yay <laughs> Yes, it's a terribly misogynist concept for a podcast, this. And I hope that you will all continue to support it. Thank you, sir. Thank you for these beautiful opinions. Um, Uh, Well, until next time, watch a billion films and tell me all about them. I'll try and do that. Exactly one billion? One billion. Okay, exactly one billion. Mm -hmm. I'll do that. Thanks. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Jen and the Film Critic, a podcast from Screen Mayhem. I've been your host, Jen Blundell, and your film critic was Paul Salt. Our theme music was by Jacob Blundell. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at filmcriticpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. Or you can message us on social media at at Screen Mayhem on all the social media platforms. For more film content, including written reviews by our fabulous film critic, visit screenmayhem.com. We're a new podcast, so it'd be great if you could help spread the word. Leave us a review on iTunes, tell a friend, share on your social media, because every little helps us get the kickstart we need. Thank you, film friends. Film friends.